0: Hey guys, what's up? Chappy here. I will tell you, I love it. It's Thursday night. I love doing this show. <laughs> uh, I've been feeling. I'll be. I'll be totally honest with you. Been feeling a little bit under the weather. Um, but you know, my wife asked me before where I go on the air tonight. She's like, "It's okay to be sick." And I'm like, yeah, "Forget that. I work too hard just to, to be sick this late in the game." So I hope you guys enjoy the show. I got a lot to talk about. And, you know, it, it, this is my favorite time of the year. And it, it's my favorite time of the year mainly because I love to evaluate. I love to sit down and compare and try and strategize a system that, you know, can can basically outthink your competition. And that really – that's what, straf- what drafting is all about. So tonight I'm going to give you a clear path to how to dominate your draft. And it starts tonight. This is the night to really kind of hone down on strategy, approach, knowing right from wrong, do from don't. There's some real strategy to take advantage of tonight. We're going to talk about it, okay? Um, this is going to be part one of a two-part series. Next week I'm going to give you my list from the middle infield position. But tonight I'm strictly going to stick to um, – You know, a holistic overview uh, of um, what we're really looking at when we're trying to break down and and prepare for our drafts. Um, So what 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 exactly am I talking about? Right. I did this last week. I'll do it again tonight. Um, You know, what are some of the things that come in mind when you think about the middle infield position? What are some questions you have when you're asking yourself about your approach to this position? Uh, So the the first thing that comes to mind with me and where this all starts from, as I said last time, you kind of have to look at your silos. First and third, you're going to be looking predominantly at power. You're going to be looking at RBIs, and you're hoping to get some average and runs there. And it makes sense, too, right? Because if you think about the types of players that are playing at the corner, it's your bigger, stronger guys. It's your it's your power hitters. It's your, you know, the guys that um, are, aren't necessarily the most uh, speedy on the base. So it makes sense that those guys are, um, you know, your middle of the lineup type guys. In the middle, however, this is where you re- – so if you think about it in this perspective, you have two different spots. that You have corner and you have middle and you have outfield. Home runs is pretty easy to get. RBIs is fairly easy to get. Runs gets a little tougher. And stolen bases is a premium. So if you're looking at, from a big picture, if you're looking at corner, middle, outfield, and you know no corners are going to steal any bases, aren't you putting an awful lot of pressure on your outfield and your draft strategy if you don't approach stolen bases in the middle infield. And yes, you can do it deep. That's not what this is about. The reason why you want to take a speed guy early on in your draft is because if you can get one of these guys that doesn't hurt you with your average or your home runs or your RBIs, say two of those three, You're doing a great service to yourself and setting your team up. You're starting right off the bat with a leg up on your competition. If they're bringing in a 250 or 260 average and 10 homers and you're bringing in a 320 homers, you're automatically putting yourself ahead of the competition. So, again, some of the things we're looking for at the middle infield position. Is it deep?
1: Yes, undoubtedly, yes, it's deep, but that's
0: a little bit misleading because I've and we'll get to this. That top tier is so heavy, front end loaded that you really have to kind of jump on it. Um. There's plenty of potholes at the middle infield position, and, and that's what I'm talking about, I guess, here, is you want to try your best to avoid those potholes wherever you can. So attacking this position early is going to be a way for you to um, take a little bit less risk out of it. You know, there's three middle infield positions, in essence. Um, you know, Maybe that fourth guy's a bench guy. You know, Obviously, the fourth guy's a bench guy. You take a little bit later. I'm saying, be ahead of the competition from middle a field position. There's a ton of five tool players in this category in this silo. Tonight, we're gonna talk about some guys that might fit that that you can get at a value. Um, I, you know you really have to start thinking about though. The kind of risk you want to take. And, and again, this is what the focus of tonight's show is going to be about. You're going to see that I'm going to spend a lot of time on these first five guys and talking about strategy and why it's important to properly evaluate these guys going into your draft. We're also going to talk about some prospects. Prospects are a big part of fantasy baseball. I know a lot of people shun prospects. I'm not one of those guys. There's a couple guys that really could benefit your team this season. Why not want to be in on those guys? Especially if you're in a league. Say you're in a small keeper league, right? Say you keep three guys. If you can get one or Franco it's going to be a big advantage for you in future years. So we'll talk about some prospects. Not too deep tonight. We'll get into those a little bit later on. But there's some strategy there. So let's talk about our five tool players, our true five tool players. And, again, I told you I'm not going to break down and talk about My list tonight, I'm not going to talk about ADPs and all that stuff that I always talk about. I want to talk about actual players and putting a good wrap around what our thought process, what my thought process is going into the draft and why I think that way. So if you look at the shortstop position, we're talking about middle infield. I guess I should introduce myself. Chat, Chaps Fantasy Chat, Thursday nights at eight. Draft for upside. You can find me on Spreaker or no <laughs> Streamyard. You can find me on Spotify. You can find me on iTunes. Um, Chappie's Fantasy Sports Group. Chappie's Fantasy Chat, both on Facebook and Chappie's Fantasy Chat on Twitter. So so let's talk about let's talk about these five. These five guys that I have at the top of my tier at the middle infield. And let's talk about approach and why we want to go where we want to go. First guy off the board, according to Fantasy Pro's average um, you know, chart that I often talk about. So ESPN, Yahoo, RT Sports, NFBC averaged out together it gives you a pretty good solid number <clears throat> again it's important because a lot of the players that you're going to be drafting against is just going to go straight off of one of these lists they're not going to do research use it to your advantage that's the big takeaway here use these lists to your advantage you don't have to go off them but it's important to know you know if um i don't know if it, if, if Manny Machado is going off the board at the end of the second round and you value Rafael Devers more, you can justify taking Rafael Devers at the end of the second round because you have made your list. And you know the value of that second, third baseman, third, third baseman, whatever. Is it the player? It's the pecking order in third base, at, at the third base category. That's my point. So we're going to do that at shortstop a little bit tonight. And I think it's fun because you're looking at a position. Again, an infield position. Infields are, you know, there's only four infield spots, six total if you do middle and corner. <clears throat> so you're talking about <clears throat> you're talking about half your position in the infield. <clears throat> again, you're putting a lot of stress on your outfield if you don't approach the right category. So you look at the first round, and, and these are the guys we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Tatis. We're going to talk about Turner. We're going to talk about Story. And we're going to talk about a couple other guys. I'm not going to talk about Lindor. I'm not going to talk about, Bich- well, a little bit about Bichette. But I do want to talk about this top tier. And, and, and just kind of hone down on approach here. Fernando Tatis currently is at ADP 3.2. I'll say that again. 3.2 for Fernando Tatis, 21 years old, just signed a $340 million contract. Now, I know, I know he's saying all the right things. Fourth in ESPN, fourth in Yahoo, third in RT Sports. Second in NFBC. Second. I'm not buying this here. I'm letting someone else take that. To me, Tatis isn't as valuable as Acuna. He isn't as valuable as Soto. He isn't as valuable as Trout. Why are you taking him there? It's the shiny new toy. And people are paying up for that name. I'm not doing it. He's a great player. But there's a few warning signs there for me. His average dropped 40 points last year. Granted, it was his shortened season. I'll give you that. But that doesn't mean we should just discard it. Pitchers are going to pitch him differently this year. Of this top group, this is the one I'm steering clear of. And it's not because I don't like Fernando Tatis. I do. Maybe in a dynasty scenario, he's worth that third pick overall. But I don't think he is, even even still. I still don't see him, but I'd say eighth or ninth. And again, it's not a slight on Tatis. He has prodigious power. He's got a ton of speed. He seems to hit for an eye average. But what if it drops another forty points this year? For who? For Tatis? No, absolutely not, Rich. Absolutely not. I'm just saying the value isn't right. He's valued too high. He hasn't proven enough. How do you know Fernando Tatis is is good is better than Bo uh, Bo Bichette? I value Bo Bichette higher than Fernando Tatis. You could get him three rounds later. That's the point. I think I think that it's a shiny new toy that everybody wants to play with. That's what I think is going on with Tatis. Do I think he's a first round pick? Absolutely. Do I think he's the third overall pick? Heck no. No, absolutely not. If I'm picking eight or nine, and the big three, short I'm not even going to take him then, because I'm going to take these next two. I'm dying to talk about these next two, Rich. Let's we'll talk about Trey Turner first. ADP 8.6. Guys, if I'm drafting... And I get that seven, eight, nine. I'm stoked because I know I'm. I know who I'm taking. I'm taking Trey
1: Turner. I. So here's
0: the thing about Turner. He's a six-year vet already. I mean, I, it seems like just yesterday. I'd say I was. <laughs> I was on Trey Turner when he got drafted uh, at NC State. You know, um I remember when he got traded from San Diego to uh to Washington. I was a big fan of his then. So it's one of those things that I've kind of watched this kid grow up. I love Vlad. I talked about him last week, brother. And and, and you know, he's lost 42 pounds. This is the year he's still this is his 22 or 23 year season. This is a year Vlad has a huge year. But back to Trey Turner, this is a year I think Trey Turner has a huge year too. You, it's interesting because when you look back at these guys and what they've accomplished already, um, it, it's it's quite impressive. All three of these guys.
1: Um, again,
0: he's a Trey Turner, a career two ninety six hitter. OBP. And I know when we start getting into these OBP, OPS, all that stuff, here's how I like to keep that in perspective. OBP. 3.53 last year would have put Trey Turner just outside of the top 10 in OBP. So that's his career on base percentage. All on base percentages is walks and hits. Versus at-bats. That's all it is. I don't get into all that crazy stuff. But this is important for me because I want to know, especially a stolen base guy, you want to know he's getting on base. Because he gets on base, he has a chance to steal the base. His last three full seasons, Trey Turner stolen 46, 43, and 35 bases.
1: He swiped 12 last year
0: which, if you think about it, puts him on pace for about 36. So you're talking about a 300-hitter. 35 seems to be the floor on a stolen basis. He's hit double-digit home runs
1: every year since his rookie year. Why is Trey Turner going five picks lower than Tatis?
0: Do you feel me? Am I right with what I'm saying here? Especially if you're looking at the profile of the category that you're looking at. We're talking about middle infielders, and we're talking about middle infielders. What you're looking at, your strengths, right? You want speed out of your middle infielders. This is your speed. In this top category, this is your speed. Again, career 353. OBP, career 296, batting average. He's averaging, guys, averaging 50. He's averaging 51 stolen bases for every 162 games he plays. Now, that number is a touch skewed, right? Because that's assuming he plays every game of the year. Most players aren't doing nothing easy. Still, 51 stolen bases. I don't know of many people in the league that are going to do that this year. You can count them on one hand. And you don't need the whole hand.
1: Trevor Story. 12.2 ADP. Here's the thing about story.
0: I've not always been a big Trevor Story fan. I was slow to catch on there. I'll be quick to pat myself on Bo If you do that, you got to be critical of yourself when you miss. As early as last year, I was saying I'm not sold on Trevor Story. Story's Consistency.
1: Really has been impressive.
0: I think he has a year this year. So, okay, let me back up a step. And this is how I come to this conclusion. This is how I come to this conclusion, guys. So, trending, right? You got to show me you're going in the right direction or you've kind of. Not plateaued out, but but you're you're in your you're in your your prime, if you will. If if you look at what he's done the last three years, so go back to 2017. He's a 239 hitter.
1: Sure, he hit 24 homers, stole only seven bases. What kind of player is Trevor Story? that was the second year in the league so
0: so, <laughs> so um there was uh some skepticism there single barrel hubers single barrel hubers it's my first one promise um the the thing about the thing about stories has been a his consistency so since that year let let me read you His stat lines. 2018 as a 25-year-old. 291, 37 homers, 27 stolen bases. 37-27. 108 RBIs and 88 runs. Take that, right? It's a first-round pick, right? 291, 30, and 20? Yeah. 35-25 at that. The next year. 294. 35 homers and 23 stolen bases. Just 85 RBIs, but he had 111 runs. And then last year, the shortened year, he's hitting 289. 11 homers projects out to around 30-something. I look at it as the third of the season last year, right? Um... My point to all this, story is the heart and soul of that lineup. And, Rich, I, you said it. They're going to need him to have a big year. And I feel like he delivers. And I'll say this, too. I, I don't feel like Colorado is just a bunch of duds out. They've got some talent there that they can work with. I love the C.J. Crohn sign. Ryan McMahon, Charlie Blackman's still there. It's just Charlie Blackman's killing the ball. Colorado will be fine. They're not going to be great, but they're still going to hit. And Story's right, going to be right there in the middle of it. Twelve point two eighty p. This is the point to all this. Comparison's sake. It doesn't matter where you pick in the first round. You should be able to get one of these three guys. That's the point. Now, we know people are going to react. This is going to go up and down. That's why I like doing this. I'll track it as the year goes on or as the preseason goes on uh, because that's telling as well, right? That tells you, like, who's becoming more popular, and then you start to think about why. It's just kind of like a fun little thing. Um, some players, if they move one or two spots, it's still important, but the guys that move 10, 15 spots, and it doesn't happen this high, right? Um, it usually happens a little lower down, but, you know, if Trevor Story moves up from a 12 to a 10, that means, hey, you don't want to sleep on him, right? But but I love, I love the value at 12.2 out of Trevor Story. You know I I told you I'll talk about my list next week but before, sorry before I get into this guy I, I want to take this into account and I want I want to discuss this stolen base is the thing here right we're talking about this from a stolen base perspective all of these guys carry stolen bases but none of these guys hurt you with average that's the key even story is last three years. 27-23. He had 15 stolen bases last year, guys. So, again, I'm big on projections. Third of the year. That's 45 stolen base projection. Now, I don't think he's going to do that. I'm not sitting here trying to pretend that. But when I say that and I think about that, that doesn't mean 40 is out of the realm of possibility. 40 is kind of the ceiling is the way I look at it. If he runs at this pace, no, I, th- I know things changed because Nolan's not there, right? So I want to talk about, and again, I'll go to I'll go in in depth next weekend with these guys, and, and we're gonna do, we're gonna move over and we're gonna strategize second base next. But I want to talk about the one sleeper. You know, the one guy in here when you think about. This time next year, who might be the guy that's up here with this group? The one guy to me that jumps out. Well, there's two. But I want to talk about Tim Anderson. ADP of 47. 47. It's the end of the fourth round in a 12-team draft for Tim Anderson. This tells you how deep this position is. The 11th shortstop off the board, according to Fantasy Pros. At pick 47. Pause for effect. And these guys are good. but I mean, Xander Bogarts, Mondesi, Bregman, Seager. I, I get it. I get it. But when you talk about... Pure skill set.
1: Anderson to me seems to be
0: undervalued here. 28 years old. He's put things together. He's given us a couple years back to back. Now, back to the OBP thing. He's, he's, He's not gonna walk. He's not gonna manufacture a run to save his backside. But if you're hitting at a 322 clip. That kind of negates some of that, doesn't it? So that's when you kind of have to be a, a little bit subjective when you're approaching this and take every case um, on its own individual uh, merits, if you will. So the last two years, sorry, the last the last two full years. We saw a huge so okay 2018. You saw Tim Anderson hit 240, 240. Sure, he he hit 20 homers. He's still 26 bases. You're thinking I can live with this. This is guy this guy's not bad. 25. The next year, 2019, he comes out the last full season we have on record. He comes out and hits 335 as a 26 year old. Get you 18 and 17. That changes things. Now, he's not scoring a lot of runs because his team isn't very good at that point. And like I said, he he won't take a walk. For perspective, Tim Anderson has reached base on a walk 25 times in the last two years. So a year and a third. That's it. 25 times. But when you're hitting 335, that kind of it, – it makes up for some things. So, uh, you know, again, last year we go in, oh, is this an anomaly? Is this just a, you know, juice ball or, you know, he he, he, he fe- he's exploiting a weakness or, you know, what have you. He backed it up last year. He had 322. And he kept the power. And he kept the speed, although maybe a little bit lost. But that's okay. Last year was a trying year. If if Tim Anderson continues to hit at a 310, 320, 330 pace, he is a first-round pick this time next year. His profile. Now. The other part of this is, you know, eighty-one runs is his career high. That comes from not working work the walk, right? So, and his and his team's not being very good. So you have to you have to think the maturity of the White Sox, the addition of some of the players that they've brought in and this kid having another full year that he increases and he pushes that 100 mark. I look for Anderson to have a big year. I love him, especially at 47. Shortstop is littered, though, with guys that I love. Gliber Torres at 66.2 to me is criminal much as Carlos Correa at 121. I think both of those guys have big bounce back years. Correa's playing for a contract and Glaber's just, he's a special talent and he's playing in a good ballpark. I love Bo Bichette at the top of this tier to take a big step forward. Uh, he he's currently the sixth shortstop off the board at 26. So that's top of the third round. I'd be happy if I got Beshet at the top of the third round. He's another one of those guys um, that, you know, has 30-30 type power and can hit for over, for over 300. The Blue Jays are something to watch out for this year. They got a lot of good young talent. And I think they're led by Bichette. And I love Vlad. I talked highly of Vlad last weekend, Rich. But make no mistake. This is Bichette's offense. Even with Springer there, this is Bichette's offense. So some prospects. There's some really cool and fun prospects to consider when you're drafting. These are important, um, You know, not so much in a, a redraft type league where you let everybody go every year. Or, but they could be because two of these guys should see the majors this year. Maybe all three. But these are the most exciting shortstop prospects from my perspective. Wander Franco, one of the top prospects of baseball. Tampa Bay generally knows how to uh,
1: help the players.
0: This guy's been, you know, compared to, you know, this is a guy that at at the Appalachian level, which is low rookie ball, had better numbers than Vladimir Guerrero. This guy's been everybody's darling, the number one prospect for years. And we're at a point now where even as a 20-year-old, he's on the verge of coming up. He's currently 19. He's getting ready to turn 20. From the Dominican Republic, um, we're we're talking about a guy here who's gonna carry a high average. Maybe not knock you off, the, knock your socks off with the home runs and the stolen bases. Probably more so with the stolen bases early. Um, but but a guy in his prime who's a twenty twenty type player, a guy in his prime who will compete for batting titles. Keep an eye on this guy. Again, if you are in a league where you can keep say three or four players, this is someone you might want to consider drafting late and hold on to. He's that type of talent. Again, dwarf Vladimir Guerrero's numbers and on the same age trajectory, which is telling. Okay? O'Neal Cruz
1: 22 years old
0: we're talking about a player has grown 6 or excuse me 3 inches in the last 2 years he has an 80 excuse me a 70 rated arm on a 20 to 80 scale which is well above a- average he could push for everyday playing time Right after the Super Two deadline. You could see O'Neal Cruz in a Pirates uniform beside Cabrian Hayes as soon as June 3rd. The profile for Cruz is again with six foot seven. He's got long arms and a big swing. He has prodigious power. And he's someone that's going largely unnoticed simply because he's probably not gonna start the season. At the major league level, people draft Super 2 players all the time. If you're in a league that doesn't take those type of players, you can still use this guy. You might want to spend a waiver wire on him late May because he is going to impact this Pirates offense this year. The Pirates want to see who they have. And this kid is part of their future. A lot of people probably aren't talking about O'Neal Cruz. But he could impact your team. The last rookie to consider at the shortstop position for this year, at least in shallower drafts, C.J. Abrams. Now, I know what you're going to say here. He's probably not not ready for the big leagues. I'll give you that. That's fair. There's this guy, Fernando Tatis, is playing in front of him at shortstop. Fair. The thing about Abrams is, is when you have the type of speed that he has, all it takes is one injury. And it doesn't have to be Tatis. Maybe Machado gets hurt. I, there was talk of Abrams coming up and playing as a center fielder because of his <clears throat> elite, elite speed. Abrams can pinch hit off the bat right now for the Padres. He could come in off the bench and steal bases. He's automatically one of the fastest guys on the team. So at the and, and he's got a pretty good bat. I look for CJ Abrams to be a factor. One, if there's an injury, or two, after the All Star break, when the when the rosters expand. If you're needing cheap stolen bases, and you got a dead roster spot after the break, you really want to consider Abrams. He can influence games. Chaps fantasy chat eight thirty seven Thursday nights at eight. Draft for upside is the site. Join me at ten o'clock. We're going to do the other angle with Chappie and RC OA, as we like to call it. Have fun. It's going to be a uh, you know we're going to talk a lot, a lot of college basketball tonight. The, there's um. There's a lot going on. Um, so, you know, make sure you join us. Make sure you join us. And we're going to talk some baseball. We're going to talk some, you know, offseason football, too. So it's a good time. Let's talk about second basemen. Second basemen are important. And it's important to put in perspective the the scale's not balanced, okay? What do I mean by that? When you look at second base, there are no first rounders at second base. There are no second rounders at second base. DJ LeMayhew is the first second baseman off the board at the top of the second round. You still got stolen bases here, guys. And you got really good power. There's some guys here that are sleepers that you can take advantage of. So, let's talk about stolen bases. Adalberto and Mondesi. Compared to, and I I know is I, I know I'm going back over here. <clears throat> Compared to Story and Tatis and Turner, he's being drafted really highly, guys. But the possibility of his inability to get on base really, to me, raises a big red flag, and that's why you see him going at 33. So a third round pick. When you look down through the second base position, there's not a, there's not a whole lot there. So from a from a category leader perspective, Adalberto Montes scored twenty four bases last last year. Trevor Story. So sorry, I'm on the wrong. I'm in the wrong silo, guys. Jonathan VR stole 16 bases. And I I tie it in. Montessi stole 24, right? So a third less. But still enough to impact. Enough to consider. Especially when you're talking about an ADP 173.
1: Comparatively speaking, that's a lot less draft capital. John Berte
0: was his second, second baseman on the stolen base list. Nine. Guys, this is a part-time player. The thing about Berte, he hit 258. So he's not killing you with average. He plays all over the field. Although, I would suggest you play him at second base if you draft him. But he hit the same number of home runs as VR did. Now, I know it's a short season. I know I tell you guys all the time, you can't count that like that. Sometimes you break the rules. (laughs) The... My point here, and the ask is higher. What do we think about Kevin Biggio? When you're filling out your second base, now I know he's moving to third base this year, but when you're drafting your team right now, Biggio's a second baseman. So why not take advantage of that? 60 ADP. Yeah, his average might hurt you. Not hurt you, but not help you, right? 250, 260. But if you look at what he's capable of and what he's already shown at the big league level, level,
1: I think you're happy with that. 16 and 14 as a rookie? Eight and six last year. Again, 24 and 18. He raises batting average 16 points. That's a good sign. Guys, it's 60. I feel like we could be talking about him next year at the top of this category. Albies at 33 or Biggio at 60. I,
0: I, I feel like, yes, Albies is going to carry a higher, higher average. I, I, I feel like that might be the top. I, I, he might be the number two guy this time next year, and he might be a third-round pick and it's it's just it's a unique profile you don't see a whole lot of guys in this category especially at second base that are going to hit homers and steal bases
1: so just to wrap it up
0: To drive the point home, I, I feel like when when you're approaching the middle infield position, it's vital more so than any other position, outside of maybe pitcher. Pitcher is pretty important too. To have a plan, and to execute that plan to a T, and that plan should be get stolen bases and home runs together with a high batting average out of at least one of those players, hopefully two. I've given you guys
1: a couple different
0: options to go off of to be able to fill that out. I've given you the high-end guys, and I've given you some middle-tier guys. Next week, we're going to talk about our lists. And we're going to break down the actual valuation and where these guys fall in the pecking order for me. I urge you guys to make your own lists. Don't go into your legs going off of someone else's
1: valuation. Make your own.
0: If you take a stolen base guy, lower on in the draft, you're going to have a big donut hole somewhere
1: in your stat line.
0: Approach that early with the Trevor Story, with the Trey Turner, with the Tatis, and then backfill it with another good player. Address this position early, guys. You can't get this sort of versatility at the corner infielder. You have to get it at short and second. Nobody at third or first is gonna steal bases the way they do at this position. Capitalize on that early.
1: Come back and join me.
0: Ten o'clock, the other angle, champion RC. You're gonna talk some football, some basketball, and yes, some baseball. Thursday nights at eight, chaps fantasy chat.
1: Thursday nights at 10, the other angle. Next week, like I said, we're going to talk about an actual list. Give you guys a parting gift. A few breakout candidates. Corey
0: Seager didn't talk about. 307, 15 homers, 38 RBIs, 41 ribs last year. His two-year total, 34 homers, 128 RBIs, and 120 runs. Third-round pick. Third-round pick. I I drove some people off because I wanted to share this with you. All right, guys. I'll see you guys at 10. Hope you guys enjoyed the content. Give me a follow. Chaps Fantasy Chat on Twitter. Chaps Fantasy Sports Group on Facebook. Draft for Upside. First and Goal, Lou Landers. Appreciate you guys. All right, y'all. See you in an hour. Take
1: care.